Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish is upset. Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Enrique Ogunbowale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. Who says it's a holiday? You don't work on Labor Day. Here we are. Brand new week. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on 960 AM WSBT. A live stream rolling right now at WSBTradio.com. And on the WSBT radio app, also a video stream on Twitch. My name is Darren Pritchett. Hope you're enjoying your Labor Day. Put an extra hamburger on the old grill for me, would you? I'll eat it in spirit. We've got work to do. We're in the middle of a football season. Pretty important around these parts. Not the outcome Irish fans were hoping for. Despite some of our local media saying, oh, well, they covered the spread. Everything's great. Stop. Stop. Enough. Don't talk about point spreads when you're evaluating a football team. Stop it. Might as well put on a Notre Dame jersey and say rah-rah instead. Come on. Spreads are for gambling purposes, not to evaluate a football team. Notre Dame played a terrific game defensively against Ohio State. That defense put forth one whale of an effort, and the Irish had a chance to pull off the victory, and Columbus just couldn't get it done as the Irish fall to Ohio State 21-10. So we've got a couple of hours to talk Notre Dame football here on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Before we go back, let's go forward just for a second and let you know what's coming up this week. The first Marcus Freeman radio show is going to be Thursday night at 7 o'clock here on WSBT Radio. So this is the first time Marcus Freeman has spent an hour talking on the radio on his own show. So we'll have that for you 
Thursday night at 7 o'clock. And then a long day here on WSBT Radio Saturday, a long but a fun day. Our pregame coverage Saturday is going to start at 8 a.m. with a replay of the Marcus Freeman Radio Show. Then from 9 to 11, we have... Tim and Jim with the Legacy Heating Air Game Day Show. That's an interview-based program, 11 to 1.30. Blue and Gold Illustrated's Tyler Horka will join me for Game Day Sports Beat, brought to you by Michelob Ultra, live from Notre Dame Stadium. 1.30, our national pregame show. 2.30, kickoff in the official Notre Dame football postgame show with Jim and Reggie Brooks after the game, only on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Notre Dame taking on Marshall this week. Marshall picked up a 55-3 victory on Saturday over Norfolk State. Now a little jump up in competition taking on the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. So that's what's coming up this week here on WSBT Radio. Now let's get down to business. Let's do a little work on this Labor Day as we talk Fighting Irish football following a loss to the Ohio State Buckeyes. The first pitch of the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Well, there appears to be some people just already looking to pile on, looking for someone to blame for the Irish losing to Ohio State. 21 to 10. And apparently an easy target is the offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese. Because you take a look at the final stats from Saturday's ball game. 253 total yards for the Irish, only 72 in the second half. 12 first downs, 8 punts, 30 carries, 76 rushing yards, 2.5 yards per carry, and the Irish for three for 13 on third down. I've talked about this all summer. I was interested to see who Tommy Reese is without the Brian Kelly shadow over the top of him. Now in his first chance to get away from that shadow, he's the offensive coordinator for a football team that has a first-time starting quarterback, and that's a factor in putting together a game plan. We established last week, wasn't rocket science, that Notre Dame was going to have to be able to run the football early, often, and effectively to have a chance to win this football game. And you know what? Honestly, that's partially wrong because at the end of the day, they ran it early, they ran it often, but they really didn't run it that officially. Yet, starting the fourth quarter, they're only down four points, so they gave themselves a chance to win the football game. But a major reason why they almost won the football game was on the defensive side. New defensive coordinator Al Golden, he dialed up a defense that kept Buckeyes quarterback C.J. Stroud off balance, mixing up coverages. And until late in the game when Ohio State decided to run the football and they ran it all over the Fighting Irish on that 95-yard touchdown drive to put them up 21-10, the defense did what they needed to do. In fact, at the end of the day, I think we can all agree Had I offered you, Notre Dame was going to give up 21 points in this game. What's the result? They'd probably win the football game. They gave up 21. That was championship-level defense against an offense with all of its major parts back 
Now, they lost a couple of wide receivers that were outstanding, but they replaced one of them with Marvin Harrison Jr. That's not too bad either. 538 yards of total offense, 45 points per game last year. Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback returning at Notre Dame. The defense played at a championship level and deserved to win the football game. Their job was to keep the ball in front of them. They did for the most part, except for that double safety blitz that Stroud went over the top of that defense and scored the touchdown to put Ohio State in front to stay. We can argue about that call to her blue in the face, but we can't dismiss the fact the defense. Outstanding work, guys. I know late in the game, things slipped away from them, but for three quarters, Terrific effort. I'm not sure Ohio State will score less than 21 points in any game the rest of the year. In fact, here's Marcus Freeman, the head coach of the Fighting Irish, on his old unit, the defense, and the way they performed against Ohio State. I thought they played really well until those last two series, right? The last series of the third and then that touchdown series of the fourth. Well, they played really well. To hold that offense to seven points till the end of the third quarter is a huge accomplishment. Again, we're not in for more victory, man. We got to look at it and say, okay, where do we got to prove that? All right, they did a great job. Coach Golden did an unbelievable job, called a great game. They played their tails off, but it still goes back to score 14 points with a quarter and seconds left in the game. And that's where, to me, our focus has to be. You look at special teams, they were not overly special. Special teams put Notre Dame in some tough spots as they were starting deep in their own territory most of the night. Sot, the punter, was really good for Notre Dame. He was one of the stars of the game. So special teams didn't help the cause that much. Now let's talk about the main event, the offensive side of the football. I totally get the thinking of Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese for wanting to run the football throughout this game. Control the clock, milk it, try to keep Stroud off the field, and they did a pretty good job of that. Here's why I don't mind that idea. I think back to me as a fan. Super Bowl 50. As a Denver Bronco fan, we needed to slow the game down against the high-powered Carolina Panthers offense. They needed to play keep away from Cam Newton. Peyton Manning was on fumes at that time, throwing the football. Denver ran it 32 times, only 90 yards, but controlled the pace of the game. Peyton Manning was 13 of 23 for 141, nothing special. But they ran the ball, opportunistic passing game, and they had an out-of-this-world defensive effort led by the MVP of that Super Bowl, Von Miller. And the Irish were getting a similar Superman-type defensive effort for three quarters on Saturday to give them a chance to win the football game. But ultimately, late in the game when Notre Dame needed to move the football, they couldn't do it. 72 yards in the second half, hard to watch. Were they conservative in nature throughout this game? Absolutely. But you know what? With the number of fans wanting to pile on the offensive coordinator I want to point out a couple of things number one if I'm not mistaken the head coach established to us 
in the media and you, the fans, before the game, the importance of running the football. In the post game, we need to run the football better. In his Monday press conference today, we need to run the football better. The head coach gave orders to the offensive coordinator, this is how we need to win the game. Head coach rules the roost. We all knew they wanted to run the football, and Tommy Reese did his best trying to do that. Now, I will say, I wish there could have been a little more creativity in the run game. Was there a chance to get Styles or Lindsey a jet sweep like they gave a handoff to Chris Tyree that was highly successful? Running the ball in a portion of the game eight out of nine times on first down. Would like to see a little more creativity there. Keep Ohio State off balance. If you go back to that touchdown drive in the second quarter, I think Reese had a great four or five minutes of play calling. He had Ohio State off balance, that first down throw up the seam to Kevin Bauman. Not a greatly thrown football. Bauman adjusted, made the catch. You watch that series, there was some really good play calling. Good mixture. I guess that's where I kind of lead into my comments. I don't have a problem about the game plan overall. I just, there are moments in the game where could there have been a little more creativity? Now, Buckner got off to a hot start, eight for eight. Then he started missing later on. Would that lead you to be more reluctant to throw the football as an offensive coordinator? You could argue that. There was a play, oh, I think it was in the third quarter, where he had Michael Mayer on the outside. He threw the ball late. He was open. Buckner didn't throw it on time. By the time he threw it, he was well covered. No chance for completion. Tommy Reese can't control that. Got to throw it on time. You look at early in the third quarter. With the lead and the ball in favorable field position, they came out throwing the football. Buckner ran and got that late hit. Irish were in business. Couldn't capitalize, but they were trying to throw the football then. You know, to me, we're just talking about a few plays where I'm like, ugh, maybe attack a little more. First drive, third and nine from the Ohio State 15. They call a running play for Buckner. I guess I'm trying to look at it from both sides. You don't want him to make a mistake. You want to walk away with points. So you do something safe. My thinking is I'm on the road. They're going to score probably in this game. I'm going to attack. Let's give it a shot. They didn't. They settled for three points. They got on the board. And that was looking like the right thing to do throughout most of the ballgame. You know, when it was second and 18 when they were down at midfield and they ran the ball, I was disappointed there because you're near midfield. You're down 14 to 10 early in the fourth quarter. You've got two plays to pick up some yardage. Maybe you get close enough for field goal range. Sounds like Groupie can hit from 50, so that means you get to the 33. I'd like to see them throw the football in that moment, but when you run the ball on second and 18 and pick up a yard or maybe nothing with Tyree, then I don't have a problem with just a quarterback draw, which looked like a change of play by Buckner. By the way, by the way, he came to the line of scrimmage. Not sure of that. That's when you're like, all right, what's the better move? Third and 18 and try to get some yardage, pick up the first down, maybe draw a penalty. Or be safe, run the ball, punt it, pin them back, 
Hope that your defense can do the job once again, get the ball right back near midfield, and then you see what you can do. I totally see the thinking of being conservative. Once you went conservative on second and 18, you had to go conservative on third and 18. So they went for the punt. Unfortunately, Ohio State, that long drive marching down the field 95 yards, the strategy didn't work. Not to say it's not bad strategy. I get it. I get the thinking. But the game was over at that point. When they got that touchdown, that was all she wrote. So I'm okay with the conservative nature of the game plan. There are a couple of parts where I see put your foot on the gas. That's where I had a little issue. But they laid out what they wanted to do. Marcus told us they needed to run the football effectively. They were going to run it a lot, and they did. 30 rushes, 18 passes in the ball game. And in the second half, when your quarterback is not hitting, puts you in a tough spot as a play caller. I'm not the head of the Tommy Reese fan club. I'm just trying to offer a different perspective on his thinking, the coaching staff's thinking. If your boss tells you to do something, you don't go the other way and say, all right, we're going to come out, run and shoot, and throw it 50 times in this game. Or maybe in a hurricane, we throw it 30 times because the other team's never going to expect it. (laughs) That never happens. You hope for execution by your football team. I'm in favor of uh, execution. Maybe, maybe our entire team needs to be executed after tonight. Now, Brian, you got your own things to worry about. You worry about your family down in Baton Rouge. You'll leave our team alone. Offensive line play was not great in this game either. So you're an offensive coordinator. You had to work around that. Interior of the line, oh boy. I like to be a fly on the wall in the offensive line room looking at that videotape. There were some missteps along the way, putting Buckner in a tough spot. And we heard all the wide receivers had taken steps, but I said, I need to see it in the game. And I'm wondering how well are these guys going to be able to get open against the elite competition? That was major, majorly concerning coming out of that football game. I mean, you had Styles catching. A 54-yarder to start the game. He was targeted one more time the rest of the game. That I have a hard time explaining why that's the case. So there you are. Conservative nature. I get the game plan. Are there a couple of plays I look at differently? Sure. That's us as armchair quarterbacks. But defensively, terrific. A+. Even though they gave up that 95-yard drive, 21 points, outstanding. That's a job well done against that particular offense. We'll talk more about this game with Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter from Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com after the break, 525 at WSBT. Not the result that we came to for. And there's no such thing as a moral victory. We didn't, we didn't win. We didn't finish the game. We didn't execute. Um, I think we found out we got a good football team. We got a good, we got a tough, we got a football. We got to learn how to finish. And uh, that's ultimately what happened in the game. Battle, battle for three and a half, four, uh, two and a half quarters. Um, and then they score one 17 seconds before the half, before the third quarter. And then we don't respond and they go and score again in the fourth quarter. And that's the game. That's really the game. Like, we didn't finish. We got to be able to finish when it matters the most. And uh, 
that's ultimately what costs us. So we got a lot to learn from from this game. Um, the beauty of this thing is I just told the group in the locker room, we don't have to wait 245 days. We're able to, we got seven days for another opportunity. So uh, we got to get back to work. That was Fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman. Post game Saturday night after losing to Ohio State 21 to 10. Execution and finish were two of the key words in the post game from Freeman and the players that were allowed to talk to the media Saturday night. Welcome back to Weekday Sports Beat brought to you by Budweiser on this Labor Day. We are live at 532. I'm Darren Pritchett, joined by my Game Day Sports Beat co-host and, of course, the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated. A lot of post-game coverage right now at blueandgold.com and also already starting to look ahead to Saturday's opponent, Marshall. Well, Tyler, thank you for joining me on this holiday. Greatly appreciate your time. You know, I I agree with Marcus to an extent, but I also disagree. There was a lot of focus on finish, finish, finish. And I look throughout the football game, I just think there were a lot of missed opportunities for this squad. Defensively, I couldn't ask for much more except for that 95-yard drive. They gave this team every chance to win the football game. It just was offensively, Tyler, it looked like a football team that knew they were going on the road, hostile environment, and they had a first-time starting quarterback, and they just weren't ready to put the offense in fifth gear yet. Your thoughts on the way the Irish attacked the game offensively? I agree with that. There was really only that one drive, the 10-play, 87-yard drive, where you sat there and said, man, Notre Dame looks pretty good offensively. The rest of the game, I mean, whether it was the play calling, which I know everyone wants, you know, Tommy Reese questioned and looked at, but I don't think it was the play calling as much as it just was Guys weren't making plays. It, it yep. starts up front with the offensive line, obviously. There were a ton of blunders, but you know, even with the offensive line and some of the mistakes that those guys made, I went I went back and rewatched the game. I'm actually in the process of doing that right now. We'll have an article at thebloomgold.com about the offensive line play specifically, but in watching the offensive line play after play while I went back, I saw tight ends, Michael Mayer included, Kevin Bauman included, running backs, Estimate, Tyree, Diggs, you know, the whole lot of them miss blocks. And when you miss blocks, and like you said, you have a first-time starting quarterback, the entire play is thrown off kilter. It's going to look ugly. We saw a lot of ugly throws from Tyler Buckner, especially in the second half, because the play was thrown thrown for a loop from the very start. So everything has to be clicking, especially when you have a guy who has never started a game, and especially when you're playing in an environment like that, and it wasn't. So when you go back to Marcus Freeman's buzzword, finish, I, I don't even really think they were in a position to finish. Okay, yeah, yep. they were winning 10-7 10, 10 late in the third quarter, and you were like, they still have a chance. But who really thought, even at that point, that you know all, all Notre Dame had to do was finish at that point and, and get it over the finish line? There was an entire quarter left to play, and obviously at the end of that third quarter as well, and C.J. Stroud did his thing. He finished. Notre Dame wasn't even in a position to finish because there was still a lot of game left and they had wasted so many opportunities, like you said, Darren, in the first 40 minutes that you just kind of felt that those were going to come back to bite, and they did. Rather than talking about play calling, here's two things I left the football game questioning. 
And the second one, I'm really looking forward to your answer because you're going to be able to answer something those of us watching on TV couldn't. So I'll save that for a second. But the first of two things I left this football game concerned about, number one, the interior of the Irish offensive line, including the center position. I don't like to jump to conclusions, but there was a point in the game Saturday night where I said, when Jared Patterson comes back, I'm not quite sure if the best solution isn't him to go back to the center position. So I'm not going to pile just on the center. I thought there were breakdowns along the offensive line. What's your takeaway on what was supposed to be a strength of this football team? It leaked a few holes, I think, on Saturday against a really good Ohio State front. I totally agree with you, and I'm going to direct everybody to my Twitter, at TBORCA. <laughs> the first thing that I want everybody to do is always go to blueandgold.com, first stop for your Notre Dame news. But if you look, I'm looking at it right now. Nine minutes ago, as I said, I'm, I'm re-watching the game right now. Nine minutes ago, I tweeted a video of Zeke Carell snapping the ball back to Tyler Buckner and just kind of standing flat-footed. Yep. Josh Lug probably could have picked up this defensive tackle on a block as well. But both of those guys, like you said, they're interior offensive linemen. They let a, a pass rusher straight through to Tyler Buckner. Last year it would have been a sack. Jack Cohn would have been sacked. Mm-hmm. Somehow Tyler Buckner evaded the tackle, got back to the line of scrimmage. But that was just one instance of, to me, there were many. I, I might, uh, and I'm, I'm going to post this article in the morning on Tuesday morning, like I told everybody, but I think there might be, a handful, maybe more instances where you can just look at the Notre Dame offensive line and say to yourself, how did that happen? Why did that happen? That shouldn't be happening if this is the offensive line that we built up so much over the offseason with Harry Hand, he stands coming back. If I'm saying all of this watching the film back, I guarantee you Harry <laughs> Eastan is looking at it saying, how in the world did we let some of these guys get through like that? Because, I mean, they're, they're untouched you have got to at least put a hand on these guys. And that, that should be the very least. They should be manhandling some of these guys, even if they are very talented, highly recruited guys that Ohio State has. So, yeah, I, I left thinking the same thing. Uh, you know, the interior of the offensive line, especially, did not look very good against Ohio State. And for people that did not hear today, Jared Patterson still listed as questionable by Fighting Irish head coach, Marcus Freeman. Now to the second thing that concerned me, and this is harder to analyze while you're watching on TV. You're at the game. You're in the press box. I know you're watching a million things, but I just want to get your insight. You look at the targets in the game. Now, granted, Buckner only threw 18 times, but wide receivers were not targeted very much. First play of the game, Styles makes the catch, goes 54 yards. You're thinking, holy cow. But the rest of the game, Styles had one more target the rest of the game, which I have a hard time believing that should be reality. But let's throw that aside. In your estimation, Lindsey, Thomas, Styles, were you seeing any separation by them against those Ohio State defensive backs? Did Buckner have many ways to go with the football because receivers weren't targeted? And I'm just wondering, was part of that their inability to get separation? The short answer, absolutely. It was a big part of why the Notre Dame passing game looked the way it did. The second part of that is I think Tommy Reese was maybe a little handcuffed by the game plan. And Marcus Freeman, even today during his Monday press yep. conference, came back in and said the game plan was executed. We wanted to run. We ran the ball a lot. If you look at the distribution, I think it was 30 runs, 18 passes. So right there, 
you're looking at only 18 opportunities to throw the ball to any of those wide receivers. And then you, you look at the targets, as you've all obviously done, Michael Mayer has eight of those. So that's almost half the targets going to one guy. And if you're going to target somebody eight times, it's probably going to be Michael Mayer. But if you're looking at it from a sample size perspective, that's only 10 opportunities where you're throwing to anybody else. And I think uh, Tyree might have got a catch. Obviously, Kevin Bauman was looked at a couple of times and made a catch. But all of a sudden, you're looking at, you know, you have three to four wide receivers who you probably trust athletically to get the ball in their hands, but you're only giving them, you know, upward of like eight shots or eight looks to get the ball in their hands. And again, that goes back to the, the first part of your question. I think separation is a huge issue. I mean, when I look at these guys in practices, I, I see Lorenzo Styles, and I think there's no reason that guy shouldn't be targeted 10 times on a Saturday. Agreed. And he can make six to, six to eight catches. And w- whether that's slants, screens, you know, the quick routes, I don't think we're seeing enough of that. Again, that's partly play calling, but then again, Tommy Reese is a little bit handcuffed by what they wanted to do. So cohesion, just overall offensive I don't want to say game plan because obviously the game plan was to run, but just the way that they went about attacking the Ohio State defense, it became clear that they weren't going to be able to run all over Ohio State like they wanted to, but then they really didn't turn to a quick passing game to kind of mitigate that and get the ball out of Tyler Buckner's hands quickly either. So that's why you saw an offense fall flat, I mean totally flat, in the second half of that ball game, and it cost them. Blue and Gold Illustrated's Notre Dame football beat reporter, Tyler Horka, live here on WSBT Radio. Darren Pritchett with you on this Labor Day. It did not help Tommy Reese's cause, the field position in this football game. I mean, they were in some miserable spots. They started on their 15, 5, 25, 13, 5, 21, 29, 12, 13, 25. Again, with a first-time quarterback, that's not exactly how you want it drawn up. But that was what they were dealing with. And part of that had to do, Tyler, with less than special special teams. This has become known as kind of fair catch you with all the fair catches on punt returns. But even when they tried to return kickoffs, there was not a lot of running room. Xavier Johnson caught the touchdown pass to put them in front. Then he made the ensuing tackle on the kickoff inside of the 20-yard line. So with the changes on special teams, boy, it didn't turn out to be a special night. And don't you think that had a lot to do with what Reese could do play-calling-wise, where they started a lot of these drives? Oh, absolutely. And it's honestly a miracle that Notre Dame led the game at halftime because I think the field position thing got a little better probably early third quarter. Notre Dame actually started with great field position on its first drive of the third quarter. But early on, uh, those – those two five-yard situations where they started at the five-yard line twice, that, those were both in the first half. They moved the ball out of there, I think, both times to, to give John Stott a, mm-hmm. at least a little bit of room. I don't think he ever really punted from his end zone. But in terms of what that does to an offense, absolutely. You never want to start with you know, your backs backed up to the goal line, especially in a hostile environment like that. And I can speak to that. Boy, was it rocking in there. And Notre Dame quieted that for a little <laughs> bit. But when the place wanted to get loud, it got very loud. So the field position was definitely an issue. And I go back to the very first kickoff of the game where I think Chris Tyree caught it in a decent spot. The, the kickoff specialist for Ohio State kind of cornered him a little bit. You never really want to – he cornered him and Tyree stayed on the short side of the field, which probably isn't a smart move. But if that's where the way the blocking set up, then that's – that's probably a special teams thing to think about for Notre Dame going forward as well. But I think he got stuffed inside the 20. Maybe it was closer 
to the 15, and, and that'll give a home team a lot of momentum and a lot of confidence when you are kicking off and you are in those situations where you're punting and kicking off to gun down those guys, go down there as the gunners and make tackles. And I think we saw it consistently, and it all kind of stemmed from that very opening kickoff of the game because I speak of it getting very loud in there. That was honestly one of the loudest points when Ohio State went down and stuffed Tyree on the kickoff, and it was kind of like a, well, Notre Dame, you're in our house now, and we're going to play our ball. And uh, special teams-wise, it, it definitely kind of played out that way. Tyler, I want to talk defense for a moment. And as I mentioned in the opening segment, even to you, the defense was outstanding, give up 21 points, more than you could have asked for. I know fans are frustrated on the touchdown that gave Ohio State the lead, third down and 11 for Ohio State at the Notre Dame 24-yard line. Notre Dame had kept their safeties back most of the night wisely, trying to keep the ball in front of them, avoid those explosive plays. Well, the Irish got aggressive on that third down and 11 play and brought a double safety blitz. And what do you know? The safeties come. They don't get to the quarterback. They start too late. It looked like they were too far back. And the throw goes right over the top of them for a touchdown, and Ohio State takes the lead. Marcus Freeman was asked about that play call today, and here was his response. No, we, we, it was right before timeout. And we had a timeout, and I remember Coach Golden said, hey, do you guys like whatever the call was, and it was a zero pressure, and I agreed, everybody else agreed, and, you know, you look at the execution of that play, it's not the call, you know, it's third and 11, um, we had said going to the game, we either, you know, we had a plan for third down, and one of those plans was to be able to bring six, and be able to play a zero pressure, we had not run that all game, and we said, okay, here's a good time for it, and you know, the execution of it wasn't where we wanted. The safeties were a little bit too late. We had a guy drop out when he probably should have been going. You know, we got to get inside leverage with the nickel. And, you know, you got a freshman in that big moment. And, you know, if we could, again, go back and do it over again, I wouldn't change the call, probably just change the way we communicate and the execution of it. But, um, man, that was a heartbreaker and, and, you know, obviously changed the tide of the game. All right, let's talk our way through this. Tyler, I'll say this. On Twitter when the play happened, I asked immediately – why was that call okay? I wasn't being critical. I just wanted to hear the other side of it. Why in that moment you would bring both safeties after playing the game the same way throughout most of the night. You're opening the door for a big play if you don't get to the quarterback. Hey, it's risk-reward when you blitz extra bodies. I totally get that. But I got to admit this. I didn't like the call at the time. Not saying it wasn't the right call. Wasn't a big fan of it. But I hated the call after hearing that comment from Marcus Freeman today. And here's why. That call came after a timeout. They were on the sideline as a unit. They could have talked about what needed to happen on that double safety blitz to make sure everybody was on the same page. And he just went through a laundry list of things that went wrong on the play. How the hell does that happen after you have all the players on the sideline knowing what's coming. That's why I'm disappointed about the execution. How can you not go over every small little detail in that opportunity on the sideline? Well, there's actually one thing that you said before you went on that little rant, which is a very good rant, by the way. Uh, I don't hear you get worked up too often, but this is something that definitely warrants getting worked up. But you said this is, and Marcus Freeman said it himself as well, this is something that Notre Dame hasn't done all night to this point. Here you are in the late third quarter. You have a lead. Your defensive game plan has obviously been working because Ohio State, possibly the best offense in the country, has only scored seven points to this point. 
and then you roll out something that you had not done all night. Obviously, you had success without doing this all night, and it doesn't work. If you look at the other side of the ball, as I've said multiple times here, I've been going through Notre Dame's offensive possessions. Jim Knowles rushed six. I'm not even halfway through the third quarter right now, and I'm pretty sure I've counted three to five instances where Jim Knowles has rushed six, and usually it ends up working because I think he found a weakness in that offensive line, and he went at it. Notre Dame had no idea that this was – this was the guinea pig rush six for Notre Dame. This was, we don't know if it's going to work, but if it does, it's, it's really going to work. You don't do that on third and 11 when you have the lead in a game that you've been playing lights out defensively. So I, I agree. Uh, I, I think at the time I thought it was a terrible decision. I think it's a terrible decision now. Usually that's the way it goes with safety blitzes. If it works, a safety gets to the quarterback and you're saying, wow, this was a great idea by the defensive coordinator and the, and the head coach. They knew that this pressure was going to get there. I don't think they knew that this pressure was going to get there. If they were doing this to call a different look for the sake of simply calling a different look, well, it didn't work and it backfired. You lost the lead on that play and you never got it back the rest of the game. One more question for you, Tyler, as we start to wrap up our conversation. This actually caught me off guard today. Again, watching on TV, it's a little different than being at the game. But Patrick Engel, your colleague at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, always comes up with the number of snaps each player had in the football game. And I was going through today, and one position really stood out. And I don't know if you thought the same thing or not, but you were at the game, so I'm going to throw this at you. Unless I missed something, I was shocked to see in the ball game at the safety position, Brandon Joseph played 45 snaps, Ramon Henderson 30, DJ Brown 32, Griffith 33, Watts with six. So I guess I'm surprised Joseph would even leave the field. Yeah, and I know the expectation is the Kyle Hamilton sort of thing where you've got a unicorn, so you've got to leave him on the field at all times. I don't know if Brandon Joseph is in that vein. Okay. In that, you know, he, he he's not – and this I'm not – speaking athletically or as a football player, it's just that he's not 6'4". He's, he's not a guy that other defenses never see and you can't really prepare for because even your scout team, your scout team defenses definitely don't have a guy like that. I think he's a, just another guy in a rotation that probably needs to come off the field here and there. Now, is he the best safety that Notre Dame has to offer? Absolutely. I think he was flying around the field made that what I would call a questionable hit on Jackson Smith and Jigba, and that kind of changed the course of his rest of the game. But I do think he's a guy that needs to come out now. Did he need to come out that much? Probably not. But I think Notre Dame fell into a comfort factor with the way it was rotating. You never really saw Ohio State take the top off of the defense, even when Brandon Joseph was off the field. So the more that that became the case and the more that – Marcus Freeman and Al Golden could see that Joseph could come off the field and things weren't going to go haywire. They did it a little bit more. And, you know, that was probably the toughest test that Notre Dame is going to face from an air it out standpoint until maybe the final game of the regular season against USC. So I think Joseph is going to be a guy that rotates quite a bit, definitely more than Kyle Hamilton. I don't know. It's kind of ironic for me to bring up Hamilton because I'm the guy that always says we shouldn't compare him to Hamilton, but I just kind of want to hammer that point home. that, you know, Joseph is a little different of a player. Is he a great player? Absolutely. But he's going to come off here and there, too. What would you like to talk about? Things that are happening at blueandgold.com this week. 
Yeah, definitely go check out that article that I've been plugging a little bit in this interview tomorrow morning. If you want to see exactly what the Notre Dame offensive line did play after play against Ohio State, I am going to have gone through all of those plays by the end of the night. It'll be up tomorrow morning. We've got a Marshall preview going up tomorrow morning. You mentioned Patrick Engel. He does an excellent job. We're going to have coverage throughout the week leading up to Marshall. We're kind of in a groove right now. This is, this is our season groove, and we're going to cover Notre Dame like nobody else covers Notre Dame. So football season is in full swing. Go to blueandgold.com if you want to read all things Notre Dame. Very good. Tyler, thank you so much for your time, your analysis, and I will talk to you Saturday with Game Day Sportsbeat presented by Mikkel Bolter, which is 11 to one thirty from the stadium this week. And so looking forward to that. Have a good week. All right. That's a birthday edition of uh, the Game Day show, by the way. That's my birthday and a uh... No better place than to spend it at a football stadium all day, and and I say that wholeheartedly. All right, all right. Well, happy birthday in advance, and hopefully we have a nice weather day and a good football day here in South Bend. That's a that's a long work day for your birthday, though. Someone's going to have to maybe buy a little dinner or something after the game to celebrate. Yeah, we'll probably have to wait till like Sunday afternoon because <laughs> if this last weekend was any indication, I'll I'll be up pretty late. I, I'm thankful it's a two thirty kick. Let's just say that. I'm with you there. Tyler, have a great week. We'll talk to you Saturday. All right. Looking forward to it, Darren. Thanks. You bet. Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, a boatload of coverage from the Ohio State game available right now. There's already starting to work in all that conversation about the Marshall game, so check it out at blueandgold.com. 553, I'll hand out game balls next on WSBT. You can listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the app store and Google play. Now back to local sports talk on sports beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. Sports beat brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers locally distributed by United beverage company of South Bend football fans. This Bud's for you by the Mishawaka Education Foundation granting a better future. Midland Engineering Company beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Pet Refuge's ABC Clinic, South Burnett Drive in South Bend helping fight pet overpopulation by Tim Growl. State Farm Insurance for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. September is Hunger Action Month. How will you choose to help end hunger? Learn more at feedindiana.org. By Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt Don't Shop, where new beginnings have happy endings. And Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Darren Pritchett back with you at 559. The My Five today. Well, handing out five game balls from Notre Dame's 21-10 loss to Ohio State. I put out a prediction last week on the show the five game balls would be Thomas, Styles, 
Jason Anabiola, Mayer, and Estime. Well, only one of the five was correct. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. Game ball number five to defensive coordinator Al Golden and the defensive staff. They gave this football team a chance to win in Columbus. They mixed up coverages. They kept Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud off balance. Let's don't forget the Buckeyes last year averaged 45 points and 538 yards of total offense per game. At the end of the Notre Dame game, 21 points and 395 yards. Number four, I'm going to give a game ball to linebacker Marist Leofal, mainly because he was back on the field for the first time since 2020, coming off the serious lower leg injury, which occurred late in fall camp last August 2021. In the game against Ohio State, five tackles. He had one solo and four assists. Okay, okay. I'm going to split a game ball between Clarence Lewis and Tariq Bracey. Bracey gave up five receptions for 22 yards. Tight coverage in that ball game. Lewis led the team in tackles with seven, and he was able to record one of the two Irish pass breakups in the ball game. Number two. Game ball number two goes to tight end Michael Mayer, targeted eight times in the football game, five catches, 32 yards. Had a terrific third down catch. He had to leap high and angle his body into a position to make the catch and then rumbled, kind of perpendicular, fumbled the football accidentally and then dove on it to keep control of the football. But five catches, 32 yards, the top target for Tyler Buckner. And the game was tight end. Michael Mayer, no surprise there. Number one. And the ultimate golden game ball for the Ohio State game. Goes to Notre Dame punter John Sott. Don't laugh at me. Eight punts, 46.2 yards per punt. Had a long of 75. Three punts inside the 20. Zero touchbacks. And you talk about a terrific net punting day. I mentioned 46.2 per punt. Only one of his eight punts were returned for a total of four yards. Did a good job of pushing Ohio stayed back, kind of like the Buckeyes were able to keep Notre Dame pushed back deep in their own territory throughout the night. And side even fought through cramps. Even a punter can cramp in a football game, apparently. Good job by the Harvard transfer. Those are the game balls for Notre Dame from the matchup against Ohio State, a Buckeye 21-10 victory. Coming up, a Sports Center update. Then in our opening segment of the 6 o'clock hour, I had a bunch of questions going into that game that I needed answered. Did I get the answers I was looking for? I'll run down the list of questions coming up in a moment as Sportsbeat continues on Sports Radio 960 WSBT South Bend. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Six seventeen at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. A live sports beat on this Labor Day, September the 5th of 2022. The Irish fall in their season opener at Ohio State. 
21 to 10. Up next, Marshall at the stadium Saturday at 2.30 here on WSBT Radio. Pre-game coverage starts bright and early at 8 a.m. and concludes with the official Notre Dame football postgame show on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, last week, leading into that opening game against Ohio State, I wrote down a list of questions, things that I had questions about going into the season, things I needed answered before I was a believer that this was going to be reality with the Notre Dame football team. So I kept track of those six questions. Now, after seeing the Irish play one time, let's see what the answers are to those questions. The first question I wrote down last week, how good is Tyler Buckner throwing the football in particular from the pocket? Well, I like the first eight, eight for eight to start his career as the head guy, QB1 for the Fighting Irish football team. That was a terrific start, but then it got a whole lot tougher from there. Two of his last 10, there were some missed opportunities along the way. There needs to be better separation between the receivers and the opposing defensive backs. Hopefully you will see that against Marshall this week and Cal the week after. And I think you will for sure against Carolina, who gave up 40 in the fourth quarter Saturday and still beat App State in a wild football game. Buckner still has a ways to go to be a consistent thrower of the football, but I think we saw enough on Saturday to believe that he is a guy that can lead this football team to a lot of wins. The next step is, can he become a championship-level quarterback. Can't do that in one start. We'll see as he progresses throughout this season. Another question from last week. Is Jared Patterson ready to go? The answer was no. Went through pregame warm-ups, and Patterson could not play due to the right foot sprain that occurred late in fall practice. With the way the interior of the Irish offensive line looked, they definitely could have used him the update for this week he is still questionable according to fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman who met the media earlier today a third question from last week can the wide receivers who are showing promise in fall practice show up live in a game the answer is no not good enough But I will add, it is disappointing that Lorenzo Styles was targeted two times in the entire ballgame. Two times a quarter seems like a good average. One of the two on the first play of the game, and it went for 54. Then starting the third quarter, Styles had another chance, didn't connect. But the wide receiver position, pretty quiet. In this football game, Lindsay made a very nice diving catch to get the Irish away from the shadows of their own goalpost. But the consistency just wasn't there. So that was unfortunately a question that was worthy to be wrote down before that game. And it's still on the list for next week. Another question from last week. Has the defense adapted to Al Golden's defense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Throughout this ball game, really good execution. 
the double safety blitz. There were miscues, according to Marcus Freeman. But overall, to hold that offense to 21 points, less than 400 yards, job well done, championship-level defense. There will be a lot of opposing defenses of Ohio State going back and looking at that Notre Dame tape to see what they did to keep Ohio State in check. So I gave Al Golden and the defensive coaching staff a game ball for their job. I know the last two series didn't work out. That was disappointing, but overall, my heavens, terrific job by the defense on Saturday. Another question from last week. How good can the Irish linebackers be covering in passing situations? You have not a lot of balls thrown against them. Held up pretty well throughout the football game. A lot of defenders played in that ball game. You look at the snaps from the game, blueandgold.com has it. Well, there are a lot of players on the field playing at a high level for this defense. And the final question I had from last week entering this Notre Dame-Ohio State game, is Ohio State as much of a juggernaut that many believe they are? Now, I had Ohio State as a playoff team, losing to Alabama, rolled am tied in the national title game. I look at it this way. Ohio State played a really good team. And I know the first question asked of Ryan Day, why was your offense bad? And he pointed out, hey, that defense is really good. This is a top-five football team. I'm not going to answer that question right off the bat, and I can't blame him. Going into the season, was Notre Dame a little high at number five? Personally, yes. I would rank them between 7 and 15 somewhere. But they lived up to that number five ranking defensively for sure. I mean, that Ohio State offense, if you didn't know anything about them, you would have thought, man, they're kind of average. They're okay. Now, Smith and Jigba getting hurt is a major factor. We can't leave that out. That is the go-to weapon for C.J. Stroud. He might be the nation's best wide receiver. So did that help? Of course. Absolutely. But that offense looked pretty normal throughout the football game. Defensively, they were much improved. A lot of pre-snap confusion, I think. By the Ohio State defense toward the Notre Dame offense. They did a pretty good job of defending the run. Held the Irish under 100 rushing yards on 30 carries. They would have taken that at the start of the day. So defensively, they're a lot better. And that might be the most important takeaway. Because the offense is going to be good. They're going to ring up a lot of points against everybody else on their schedule. And if the defense looked as good as it did against Notre Dame the rest of the year, then I think it is fair to put them in that juggernaut category. They didn't play like it on Saturday, mainly due to their opponent playing really well defensively. But I think still, it is Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, and then there's a drop-off to the next tier of teams. I mean, Georgia, are you kidding me? Losing all those players? They did that to Oregon? As someone wrote on Twitter, I think it was Pat Forty, you want a piece of Georgia? No, I'm good, thanks. Wow, that was stunning how good they looked. So I guess we're all getting ready for Bama and Georgia in the SEC title game. Might as well start preparing for that particular matchup. 
But I will say this, Bama's got some tough road games on their schedule. Texas this week, Ole Miss. They go down to see the family at LSU later on. So there's some fun matchups along the way. They only played Utah State, but they didn't look bored, that's for sure, winning 55 to nothing. So those were some of the questions from last week and how I answered them after the first game against Ohio State. So the real question that goes from week one to week two, and that is, can the wide receivers show the promise in a game that they did during fall camp? Not against Ohio State. They should against Marshall Saturday, 2.30 kick here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Our Twitter question of the day is on the way next as we continue to look back at Notre Dame's 21-10 loss to Ohio State on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Let's get right to it on Friday. Our Twitter question of the day, which was posted on my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat, was what outright slash wagering combination do you believe will play out for Notre Dame at Ohio State? Here were the three choices. Notre Dame wins the game outright, so obviously they were going to cover the spread. Choice number two, Ohio State wins outright, and Ohio State covers the spread. Your third choice, Ohio State wins outright, but Notre Dame covers the spread. The spread was 17. So the Irish got a 17-point head start in the ballgame. So obviously, if you wagered on that minus plus 17, if you're on the Notre Dame side, you were a winner. Our prognosticators on Friday before the game voted this way. 21.4% said that Ohio State would win the game outright and cover the spread. That was third place in the vote. Second place in the vote, Notre Dame was going to win outright, got 27.1% of the vote. You're almost right. And the winning vote was also the correct vote. Ohio State wins outright, but Notre Dame covers the spread. That got 51.4% of the vote. And I hope that 51.4% put a couple of dollars on the game because your wallet is a little bigger because you were exactly correct. So 51.4% believed Ohio State would win the game, but Notre Dame would cover the spread, and that's exactly the end result. We thank you for voting. Greatly appreciate it. Now let's try again. Today's Twitter question of the day. What is the number one reason why... Notre Dame was so conservative on offense at Ohio State. Here are your four choices at 960 Sportsbeat on Twitter. Choice number one, it gave the Irish the best chance to win the game. Choice number two, the Irish didn't trust their quarterback. Choice number three, 
the game flow meant the Irish needed to run the football. Or choice number four, run it because you have a great rushing attack. So today's Twitter question of the day, available right now at 960 Sportsbeat, what is the number one reason why Notre Dame was so conservative on offense at Ohio State? Best chance to win the game. Didn't trust the quarterback. Game flow or a great rushing attack? Looking forward to your answers. I will say early on in the boating, the boats are split evenly all over the place. We'll bring you the results on tomorrow's Budweiser's weekday sports beat. And of course, bring forth a new question on Tuesday. All right, 635 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Very quickly, then we'll get right back to more football talk. Baseball today, the White Sox got some help from the Yankees who beat the Twins 5-3. So the the up-to-the-minute standings in the AL Central. Cleveland in first, a half a game ahead of the Twins and two in front of the White Sox. The Southsiders in Seattle tonight to take on the Mariners. That game actually starting in just a couple of minutes. Cleveland is taking on Kansas City. Let's hope for the White Sox' sake that Kansas City plays Cleveland as tough as Kansas City has played the White Sox all year. If the Sox don't win the division, all those games lost to Kansas City loom awfully large. So Lance Lynn and the Sox in Seattle take on that great Mariners team. First pitch in just a couple of moments. And we'll see if the White Sox can edge a little closer to Cleveland in that AL Central race. Just when you think the White Sox are done, which has been about, what, 15 times this year, you look up and they're two games out of first again. Remarkable. Trying to get over 500 tonight. Coming up next, special teams did not help Notre Dame's cause against Ohio State. That's on the way from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We're streaming live at WSBTradio.com. The WSBT Radio app and our new venture were live on Twitch. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Touchdown, Chris Tyree! Yes! 98 yards! On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Wide open, touchdown Notre Dame, Lorenzo Styles. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. We continue on on this Labor Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. My name is Darren Pritchett. Welcome back to Sports Beat. On 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on the WSBT radio app. So much goes into the outcome of a football game. You can never forget about the importance of special teams, and special teams can be a negative early on in the season. Oftentimes, that part of the football team does not get as much work as every head coach would like during fall camp. The reality is they're getting their offense and defense ready, and so many of the players on offense and defense are now playing more on special teams, and we saw that with the Fighting Irish on Saturday. Special teams in this game, 
not really a major plus for this Notre Dame football team. Now, the punter, John Sott, was, I think, the exception to that rule because he was terrific in the game. Eight punts for 46.2. Only one of his eight punts were returned for a measly four yards. So his net was over 45 for the ball game. So making his debut, the transfer from Harvard, John Sott did a fabulous job punting the football away for the Fighting Irish. You hate to see eight punts. You hate to see him have to be on the field so much, but he did a really good job for Marcus Freeman. Meanwhile, Notre Dame special teams, the return game was not a factor. They did not have a punt return in the ball game. They're kind of fair catch you, and that may change as time goes on under a new special teams coach. Kickoff returns, not much either, only two returns for 22 yards, and you look at the field position in the ballgame. Notre Dame started from their own 15, 5, 25, 13, 5, 21, 29, 12, 13, 25. That is very difficult on a play caller, in particular, When you are play calling a first-time starting quarterback with an offensive line that was not hitting on all cylinders, your wide receivers were not getting open on down the line. Tough on an offensive coordinator and mixing in field position, that makes his job a whole lot more difficult. Head coach Marcus Freeman on field position, special teams in the game Saturday night at Ohio State, a game the Irish lost 21-10. Yeah, one of our keys was the, the battle of field position, and, um, you know, that's huge, right? And, and we obviously don't want to start the drive in within, inside the 20-yard line. We've got to fix our kickoff return unit. Um, you know, we wanted to be aggressive. They were going to give us the ball to return. We are going to return it. But the execution wasn't where we wanted it to be, so we have to clean that up. If we're not going to be able to return outside of 20, we need to make fair catches. You think about the fourth quarter, Notre Dame down 14-10, they faced a second down and 18 near midfield. They decided to run the football. Tyree on a jet sweep, if I remember correctly, picked up nothing, maybe a yard. So very conservative second down play call, which led to the right call, a very conservative third down and 18 play call. As my old friend, former Irish quarterback Evan Sharpley, has told me so many times sitting next to him when it's third down along. He always says, you know what, we don't have a play for this. And the first time he said that, I'm like, what? He's like, we don't have third down and 18, third down and 25 plays. You have screens, you have this, you have that, but there's not many things designed to pick up 18 to 20 yards because of the difficulty getting the ball down the field against a defense in that spot. I don't know if Buckner changed the call at the line or not. You saw him go up to the center, but the Irish then ran it on third down. If you can run it on second down, I was fine with third down because then you're playing the field position game, as Marcus just talked about. Punt the football. Sot buries him back at the five-yard line. So now you're hoping for your defense to shut the door, force a punt, get the ball back near midfield, and then start again in pursuit of what could be a game-winning touchdown. That was the strategy. Unfortunately, it didn't work out as Ohio State just decided, you know what, we're going to make that chin stripe, tighten up a little bit, and we are just going to pound the football at Notre Dame. And they ran it so effectively on that 95-yard drive, resulting in a touchdown to basically end the ball game with the Buckeyes taking a 21-10 lead. So didn't work out in that particular spot. 
The Irish just couldn't get anything going offensively in the second half with 72 yards of total offense. It was like for the entire game, didn't you feel like watching it? Notre Dame was holding on, just holding on to the lead for dear life. They were leaning on their defense to win this football game. And you know what? For the most part, the defense gave them one heck of a chance to win this ball game. Unfortunately, the Irish offense didn't get any short fields to work with to score some points. Ohio State made it tough on them with their pre-snap looks. I think that was probably a major factor in this football game. But Notre Dame came into the contest wanting to run it, didn't run it as well as they wanted. Ohio State did a great job up front. And the result was the passing game was not going to win this game, unfortunately, for Notre Dame. So next up, it's Marshall. Marshall and Notre Dame at the stadium Saturday at 2.30 here on WSBT Radio, followed up by another home game against the Cal Golden Bears. We'll talk some sports wagering next, 6.48 at WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 